I just I just like the fact that we're getting back into taking those deep dives, you know. At the beginning of this podcast, we promised that we'd be covering the stuff that no one's willing to touch. And so today we're doing zombies, you know? Yeah. The type of yeah. thing that okay, no one has any. <laughs> I mean, what's yeah, no one talks about zombies. That's why, that's why that's yeah. why that's why we gotta too come scared. in. You yeah. know what? You wanted a monster month and you're getting a monster month, Jacob. I don't know why you're, you now you're going to turn around and bite the hand or the brains that feed you, so oh, to speak. Bite uh, the brain. Like yeah, the, really bite the brain yeah. that feeds you. Welcome to the Voyage Podcast, a show that traverses the oceans of myth and legend through the lens of Catholic theology and philosophy. Come aboard as we set sail in pursuit of the heroic life and Christian virtue with your hosts, Mike Schramm and Jacob Platty. So uh, welcome everybody to this episode of The Voyage Podcast, where if you haven't um, picked up by now, we've been slowly inching towards you that we're going to be talking about zombies. (laughs) Another zombie reference. Wait, well, I mean, this was the running zombie because I I just threw it out there. Oh, yours was the um, World War Z zombie and not the... uh, yeah, we wait, wait or the Game of World Thrones, yeah, Game okay, of Thrones zombie. Of Thrones. That's better. Uh, you know, uh, Zack Snyder's a... Dawn of the Dead remake, or how about uh, Twenty Eight Days Later? Twenty Eight Days zombie. Later. Yeah, Twenty Eight no, Days Later. Honestly, zombie. we could fill up a sixty-minute uh, podcast. You know, I was complaining about how every other sci-fi is has time travel, but if you want to talk about it, a trope that's been done to death, is probably the zombie one too, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, no, it's been it's been done sure. to. Undeath, you even could say. even oh, keep, nice. yeah, I know. I just even, keep knocking them out of the park, don't I? <laughs> even when uh, zombies are zombies are so pervasive and like overdone that even when a successful TV show happens, it overstates its welcome by like seven seasons. So, like Walking Dead, is that what you're referring that's to? Now? The reference, yeah, thanks. yeah. Thanks exactly. for catching it. it right on. The, it was right on the the nose that fell off. So. <laughs> Just every, <laughs> now that we've quickly run through our, I don't know, did these, we even these puns? I think your puns are rotten, Mike. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so we've run through a couple of, you know, whether it's more recent um, and, and even some classic examples, but I did want to kind of talk through. So what are, I guess, just some of your, you know, you could say your favorite or maybe classically considered some of the best or the most innovative uh, zombie movies and TV shows. And then we can kind of get into, you know, the real meat of the conversation. The real brains of the conversation. Oh, yeah. Something like um, that. The, uh, so I'm going to go with, uh, oh, dang, what's it called now? Oh, no. Wait, no. Give me Night this. of the Living Dead? Nope. I'm going to go with. 28 uh, Days Serpent. Later? The Serpent and the Rainbow. Okay. See, that's a that's a joke that you wouldn't get because you're not up on your horror movies the way I am because that's like voodoo zombies. All right. That's a whole so movie about you... like the voodoo. Illuminate me really then, are. please. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fine. Um. So you know the thing about zombies is that they weren't called zombies until George Romero made Night of the Living Dead. Right. Like. They were this idea of like corpses coming back to life. They would have uh-huh. been up until like 60 years ago. They would have just been referred to as like ghouls or like revenants. Okay. This idea that we use this language zombie to describe them. That is taken from 
like voodoo magic, like Haitian voodoo magic stuff, you know. And so there are a few horror movies out there that are actually about voodoo magic, like yeah. White Zombie starring Bella Lugosi. It's an old black and white one that's really actually pretty creepy. Um, but then this one was a Wes Craven flick, The Serpent and the Rainbow. Um, yeah. And uh, it's uh, got Bill Pullman. I love that guy. From Mr. President. Yep, yeah, that's right. Best president in movie history. Um, wow. <laughs> he That's gets in statement. the fighter jet. He gets in the fighter jet at the end. Yeah. He leads from the front, Mike. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, it's about zombies, like Haitian voodoo zombies. It's good. It's interesting. Wes Craven's a good horror movie director. Um, that was really just a joke, though. It's not my favorite zombie movie. You were just trying to, yeah, be like, I was just trying to make be clever. a reference that, that Mike hasn't heard of. Yeah, I was just trying to put you yeah. in your place. You exactly. Know? So. <laughs> Put you um, in the and, grave. And, well, and one of the yeah. one of the uh, I mean, and and one of the things that we're you know going to talk about is how I'll of course just like any you know iteration of a vampire movie is going to highlight something different about uh, Dracula or a different iteration of in this case a zombie movie or zombie TV show is going to highlight something di- like you know the director or the the writer is going to have something specific or unique hopefully at least that he or she is going to want to say, um, and so. Well, what's you your know, what's your favorite zombie movie? I mean, I was trying to go for maybe the ones that uh, I guess you could say are a little bit more relevant. I mean, I put I I put Night of the Living Dead, thinking that you'd want to talk about that one a little bit because that connects oh, to absolutely. our Cabin in the Woods That's, conversation. I mean, um, that that might actually be my favorite zombie movie. And you know, okay. people people would accuse that of being a cliche response, except for the fact that like no one chooses that as their favorite zombie movie. Everyone thinks mm-hmm. that it's like important and like revolutionary and like blah 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 but everyone has like a zombie movie that's come after the fact but we go for more of the either the gory like or the it. silly or the you know whatever well, there's lots of reasons or, honestly this is seriously there's so many zombie movies out there like pick your pick your poison um, um but the reality is is that like i unironically still think night of the living dead is a very strong contender for the best zombie movie ever made not just because it's historically important for the genre, but because it's really, really good. Like, I mean, it's mm-hmm. just that black and white that it's shot in, the actual the actual story of it and the characters in it and the way that um, it ends, it's got kind of a twist ending that is really poignant. Um, it's, it's a great flick. It's like a really, really good flick. And I think everything else after it is, you know, either just remaking it or trying to, like, overdo it right like Uh trying to up the ante and like hey those movies are fun too i like those movies but like uh yeah man i mean it's it's quality stuff so i mean the ones that that i at least put down that and and it's also the ones that i'm most familiar with because you know again you can uh as you've been very um as you're very quick to do, you can roll your eyes and say, well, I'm just a noob, right? I don't, you know, I'm not as up on the, the horror movies or the monster movies as you are. So, I mean, like the ones that I'm most familiar with, I mean, I, I did watch the walking dead right when it first came out and yeah, I All sort of have grown end, right? less. I actually have not seen the last maybe uh, one or two seasons. I can't remember. I, I think it might be something I, even, I might go back to. They even lost <clears throat> you, Mike, and you'll watch anything. Okay, like, I don't know why you're coming after me like this, but sure. Uh, but anyway, I, I prefer to think of it as loyalty. But anyway, we'll keep going. Um, because, and yeah, you're going to love my next reference is, is I 
So I think the Game of Thrones zombies are imp- are are a good one to mention. And the reason why they I included really the Walking actually. so the reason why I include the Walking Dead as an example and the Game of Thrones example is because they they You've play very them. specific roles. Okay, that's <laughs> also part of it. But one of the things that, like I was saying, every you know director, every writer is going to use the zombie trope or the zombie story to say something different. You know, mm-hmm. the the real story in The Walking Dead is that the zombies aren't the enemy. People are the enemy, right? That's like, you know, if you're going to take one thing away from The Walking Dead is like the real enemy are the other people. And this is the circumstances in which that sort of brought it out of them, right? So it's kind of the mm-hmm. whole um, social contract gets ripped up, ripped to shreds. And so then how do, you know, people really survive? Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's, that's why, like I said, the, the Walking Dead is a, a good example to bring up because in some ways it tries to kind of turn the zombie idea on its head by saying the zombies aren't the enemy the people are, right? They're just like a mechanism that brings this out of other people. And, and we can get into how nihilistic it is and how like, anti, you know, how, how very cynical it is and all that stuff that we can certainly talk about that. Um, sure. The, the, the reason why I wanted to bring up the game of Thrones one and game of Thrones is even kind of on the nose about this as they get closer and closer to that final, uh, confrontation with the white walkers with the zombies is that these are more than just the you know these people are dying and they're going to kill other people is that this is like the distru- it's it's the um the undoing of creation it's a very yeah. like and again they're all sort of apocalyptic stories but it was the um it well, was almost are, like these the, are like the up well, like, of the cosmos into chaos it was the exactly. cosmos to chaos no there's what makes the game of thrones white walker zombies kind of unique is their kind of magic based reality and as such they're they're coming like the the kind of flavor of that zombie apocalypse is one that is kind of like ontological right like apocalypses Mm -hmm. that happen in other you know fictions and platforms and things like that they're always apocalyptic And it's always about the undoing of society and and the reaction of society to its own undoing. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's something that's kind of like deeper in the Game of Thrones apocalypse version of the scenario because it's it's basically this like magic curse reality thing. So it's it's not just an accidental disease or some kind of mysterious asteroid. It's not happenstance. It's not like... It's not materialistic. uh, It is actually It's got agency. It's got agency. It's like like the the zombies in Game of Thrones have more to do, or like more in common with like the nothing in the never-ending story than they do with like your typical zombie fare in like a more traditional zombie well, flick because those that's more like cosmic nihilism that's more like yeah. uh the, the universe doesn't care about you kind mm-hmm. of stuff whereas game of thrones is like no there's actually like this evil force it's an intention yeah it's intentional yeah, like you said there's agency wipe out. there's the big bad you know who wants to get rid of any sort of you know cosmos it wants to all be disorder and so that's where and and it kind of brings me it reminds me of another uh conversation that we've had separately People have sometimes talked about this where they, they'll ask the question, how can Indiana Jones still be skeptical after everything he's seen? And yet the start of the Indiana Jones is like, he's still like, you know, I'm not so sure or whatever. Because mm-hmm. it's like, 
after Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's like you should be willing to accept anything after what you've you you know, gone through. Yeah. Well, he You'd technically think. didn't well, see anything because he was blindfolded, well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the answer. But, but in this, but I, I've had a similar thought when it comes to the world of of Westeros, where it's like you're living in this world where you are seeing magic pretty much all the time. How is there room for anybody left to be skeptical in that world? And yet you'll still have characters who are like. Oh, I'm not so sure, you know, I'm blah 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 this or that. And it's like mm-hmm. and so it's it's just it's always well, funny. So almost, there's there's always this sort of like um this uh schizophrenia devil, when it comes to Well, the devil doesn't exist, right? Like uh-huh. uh in the in the Game of Thrones context, I think it's it's really it's less of like a materialistic skepticism and more of mm. uh spiritual skepticism, you know. Yeah. Because like the fantasy world of Game of Thrones is so cynical about fantasy as such that even though it does have magic, the people who live in it, hey, most of them don't experience magic. That's one of the charms of the show is that like its magic is kind of lightly leavened in throughout it, you know. It's, it's mm. very kind of like gritty and down to earth, which is a good part of its atmosphere. But um but even people who do know that magic exists, they don't think that like evil exists or that there's like a there's like an apocalyptic force of evil that's out to like destroy everything. Right. So it's yeah, like a, or that evil just resides in people and there's no sort of like spiritual like like you said, agent behind um, evil in general, mm-hmm. too. So you actually touched on, too, that I, I did think it was worth having is that, you know, just like you kind of fall into two different areas when it when we were talking about time travel where it's like, it's either this or it's this basically. Well, when it comes to zombie stories, you basically have two origins, right? You've have, you have the like virus kind of like, you know, it's some sort of sickness, some sort of materialistic cause, yeah. mm-hmm. or you have the somewhat quasi spiritual cause. Um, Cause I can even remember, and I, I can't remember the title of it. Was it the, maybe it was the Zack Snyder one where it's like, the people are coming back from hell to inhabit or demons are coming back from hell to inhabit Oh, these the tagline? The tagline is when something hell like overflows, the dead will walk the earth. Or yeah. something like okay. that. Okay, so you Which get this is a sort pretty of quasi-spiritual. Pretty metal uh, tagline for a movie. <laughs> when, when there's no more room, this is how it goes, when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. Um, which is honestly, from a Christian perspective, and like the heroine of hell, that's a very kind of like, weird like the day of the to crucifixion make. too like the yeah. day of the crucifixion where it says even the people left their graves and stuff oh well but, well i'm not trying yeah. to like i'm not no, trying I know. to like make it bring i'm not trying to bring it into the mud Mike. no 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 but no uh, but i yeah well it's just like i'm just saying someone anyone who writes the line when there's no more room in hell the dead will walk the earth probably doesn't have a lot of like deep christian theological backgrounds like you know no. or <laughs> And I'm That's not why saying I said they quasi spiritual, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a but pretty no, metal like I line, said, though. You've you've got this. Like those are basically your two options. Now we've probably tended a lot more towards the kind of physical material because that's what makes it quote unquote more realistic. But I think the fact that, like I said, you can kind of fall into one of these two camps and go back to the references that we made. Walking Dead definitely steers more toward into the more toward the you know it's a it's an illness it's like the materialism whereas game of thrones it's very much the magical kind of uh route and that's why like i said those two examples i think they they contrast each other even though as you know they both are basically zombies they're both trying to destroy the earth you know in a sense you know i would i would kind of nuance those categories and actually say that there's kind of three categories at play here because like okay the the first category is 
disease, medical malpractice, you know, radiation, right? Human, human science run amok, whether it's medicinal science or some other type of like, Oh, like I am legend too. We didn't even talk about I am legend, but yeah, that's another good. Right. Here you've got some more fast zombies, fast zombies. That's true. I actually kind of forgot about I am legend. Uh, we'll have to talk about that, but like, um, especially since they're going to have a sequel, I guess too. Are they? Well, you know, yeah. the book, it's based on a book by a really, really great author, Richard oh, Matheson. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Can you believe it? Um, what is a book? Yeah. The, the movie is very different from the book, too. Can you okay. believe that one? Um, but yeah. uh, that, that's that been remade many times. There's a Charlton Heston version of I Am mm-hmm. Legend. Um, there's a Vincent Price version of I Am Legend. And then there's a Will Smith version of I Am Legend. So, hmm. But uh, hmm. I'm just kidding. I like Will Smith. Um, but like, uh, they're they're all very different from each other too. All three of those movies mm. take the concept, and but I'd say the the latest one with Will Smith is the one that's like the most removed from the book, whereas the Charlton mm. Heston and Vincent Price versions are pretty similar to the book, or at least take a lot of cues from it. Um, you know that one. Just to go into like the basic story of that, which I think this is still at least true of the Will Smith one. But in the, it's different. The Will Smith one's just so different in flavor from the first two versions and the book. Because in that one, he's in a suburb of a big city. And so it's like 50 suburbia because the um, book was written in the 60s, right? Maybe early 70s. Pretty sure it was the 60s, though. And uh, he is trying to find, he's a doctor, and he is trying to find a cure for zombieism. And the zombies are uh, intelligent, right? Like the zombies are actually, they're more yeah. like, they're more like, well, actually they're kind of quasi-vampiric, right? They're, like they are undead, mm. but they are intelligent undead, which is reasonably rare. Not very well, that's often. That's just it is like, because actually one of the things that, um, you know, I, I kind of had, it was expecting this conversation to go down was, um, you know, we talk about this uh, this idea of the uncanny valley when it comes to like different things that scare us as human beings is that it, it has to kind of fit in this area of it's like us, but enough unlike us that it makes us uncomfortable or, or like I said, scares us. And you definitely get that with, um, you know, with the zombies where they're obviously a lot like us because they were us, but they have lost this essential part of their humanity, right? And, and we would say is the, you know, the rational uh, cognitive function part of it, but they've mm-hmm. kept the more animalistic part, which is why they're always trying to, you know, eat people or eat brains and all yeah. that. And that's or where, think and about that's the fungus zombies the, and the cordyceps zombies. In, uh, oh, Last yeah. We talked to, oh, you yeah, know, we didn't even very, talk about Last yeah. of Us yet. <laughs> we, I mean, we have. Dude, there's so much episode. zombie content. You like, you that's could right. have like five episodes of just zombie. I honestly, Referencing I completely left content. my mind until you mentioned it now. <laughs> like I couldn't, I did, and we, we, you know, you we've done two episodes on the last of completely us. Forgot. <laughs> and I forgot two, about the last no less of us. Than two episodes on it. Um, we need season two to come out. Yeah, yeah, I'm be pretty, pretty here for it. See where they go with it. Um, but uh, you know, where it's this kind of animalistic or kind of almost quasi robotic or hive mind type reality going on with those. There's actually yeah. a lot of different, a lot of different flavors of zombies in some ways what makes the uh i am legend zombies especially it's been so long since i watched the will smith movie i'm trying to remember exactly like how they're portrayed in it are they they're not intelligent 
really are they in the I mean, Will Smith movie? You, I'm pretty you sure get like, you get a sense of that towards the end, but you really end, don't get the impression. Yeah. You don't get that impression like leading up to that Most final confrontation the movie, in the Will Smith one. Yeah, yeah. like I almost remember they it was almost like jarring to me. Almost. Yeah. It was jarring to me when I saw it because I come in expecting, at least from my understanding, the typical zombie of you know mindless. Mm-hmm. And then when you start to see that, and it almost becomes a break in continuity for me because they are portrayed as as you know. You well, don't because get that at the end, of, it's almost they're like almost like caveman level intelligence, right? Like they're not like hyper intelligent, yeah. but they're like this kind of like oh, there's there's like something there, you know, like oh, there's some kind of intelligence to it, right? And there's a little yeah, bit of a back you, and forth. You actually get an even stronger sense of that in the alternate ending where you have like the one kind of like. I guess main bad guy zombie. Yeah, and he's, he like he's sees like his the like mate zombie or something. Well, that's yeah. just it. Even the sense of having a leader was like, and you get this in um, in and of itself. New, yeah, is is more human than most zombies. Having a hierarchy, day. which yeah, I mean, you're getting closer to what we would call you know more human. Even though yes, of course there are hierarchies in the animal kingdom. I'm not trying to let. I mean, yeah, obvious, yeah, but but I get what you mean. So, so you it like I said, it was almost jarring for me because I came in with the expectations of you know what you just it's the the mindless like you know figures mm-hmm. that just try to eat and stuff and yeah there was a little bit more of that there and like i said they kind of almost take this hard turn towards the end maybe if if i had been paying closer attention i would have seen more of it in the earlier parts of the the movie but um, i don't know like i, I said i should watch it at some point um you, you get a sense of like i said even relationship in the in the alternate ending because, like I said, you have the kind of like big main bad guy, you know, monster. Mm. And then it's like his mate, sort of, that Will Smith well, was sort of testing on trying to heal, trying to give the the cure to. So here's the thing, though. In the other versions of I Am Legends, uh, the book and the movies are closer to it. They make, I mean, we're talking about like truly intelligent zombies, right? And so... Um, these are really old movies and it's a really old book. So I guess I'm not going to really try to hide too many spoilers from this, um, but they are really mm. good stories. So take it with a grain of salt if you guys want to go not know this, but they're a, your first introduction to the zombies in these movies is depending upon, they're all a little different. All three of these versions of the story are a little different, but um, I'll just go with the book in the book. Like they talk, those zombies, um, mm. like they actually retain like memories. They're they're mm. um, they're really kind of like uh, just evil versions, like evil kind of like cannibalistic, dead, quote unquote, versions of who they were before. And so they're they've. It's like your neighbors have just become like super malicious. Your neighbors have become mm. cannibalistic malicious, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. um, and so they'll, and they also, they don't like, they are zombies in the sense that like, they, they don't really like, they need to stay out of the sun. So it's, there's like a vampire element. In mm. fact, when Richard Matheson was writing the story, um, not a living dead hadn't come out yet. So he's writing mm. a zombie story, but he doesn't have like the modern idea of what a zombie is directing him. So his zombies are actually much more related to like the kind of like folklore of like European folklore of like the undead, like this kind of ghouls mm. and revenants that I was referencing, which shares a common trajectory with like vampire folklore. And so yeah. in that regard, he actually has them only able to come out at night. 
Um, mm-hmm. And so it's it's as much a vampire story as a zombie story, but it's about like hordes of the undead roaming the streets. So it feels more like a zombie story than a vampire story, but it kind of yeah. hits both. It kind of hits both points. Anyway, well, they can this... talk. They remember him. They try to lure him out. They try to trick him. And then eventually mm-hmm. he meets a girl who is another survivor, right? But then the twist is that she's not a survivor. She's actually just a new ploy by the zombie horde to get him to come out of his house. So they're so Mm. intelligent that they can go and like make up themselves and try to hide Mm. the facts. You know, she's like a high functioning one of these because some people are like, they're so gone. They're like depraved, but she's still like able to like present as a human, so to speak. So, so it's like a zombie uh, Turing test. It passed. The, it is. It's, a, it's like, she it's passes like a, the zombie Turing test. Or, but or the eventually, zombie Turing test. Yeah, the human um, Turing test. But here, the whole, the whole story, the whole arc of that story, though, is eventually he's the only human left, and what he comes to see by the end of the book is that the zombie hordes who have retained this level of like intelligence, things like that are actually recreating society. They're actually Uh falling back into. And so like he spends his days going around killing these people, right? Because they're the real monsters. That's it. Yeah. That's the the reason why the the, the title is I am legend. No, the title is I am legend because by the end of the book, he's the mythological creature, the evil human that comes out in the day and hunts you. It's like an inversion of the monster trope. Um, yeah. And, uh, and that's interesting. It's, it's a really interesting take on, because, mm-hmm. from yeah, a, no, it's, especially you, back in the fifties when it was written too. Well, it raises questions of like being made in the image of God and things like that, you know, mm-hmm. and what, or fallen humanity, you could even say, or even right? fallen humanity or whatever. And, and what our place in that world is, I mean, it's a kind of cynical take, you know, that that book doesn't have a happy ending. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it doesn't have an unhappy ending, I guess. But basically, he kind of like acknowledges that like he's not meant for this world, <laughs> you know, like mm. this world. Hey, is, that's, like, hey, that's kind of got a Christian take to it, I guess. Right? There's something to it. Yeah, there's something to yeah. it. I don't know. It's it's kind of you can no, almost it, talk it, about it from like an apocalypse, like at the end of, day, end of days when like everyone's like a an apostate and a reprobate and all you mm-hmm. have left is just like your desire for Christ to come back and like, you know, leave this world kind of thing. <laughs> so yeah, you could kind of make a parallel with that and the, and the movies are similar to that trajectory. Um, okay. So these are, it feels very different from the Will Smith's one. Um, you'll that one. Uh, yeah. It's more like a monster. That action one's very, that one's yeah, like, as just such, it kind of loses what makes the, the actual story kind of special in my opinion. But uh-huh. it's it has its moments as just like a kind of schlocky zombie action flick. Um, so I, before we move on, though, that was the longest uh, tangent ever. <laughs> no, that was the longest yeah, tangent yeah. ever because I was about to say there's three types of categories, and we never. That oh, was the that's first. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've just been oh, going yeah, on and just, on and on about ugh. this first category of like medical yeah. zombies. Um, I'll make this super quick because we can just move on to what you want to talk about next. But then you have um unknown zombies so there's a lot of zombie movies where it's like why are we don't know why the dead are coming back to life they're just like uh-huh, coming back to yeah. life right that's okay, and so yeah. that's kind of like a existential like you know you don't know as much as you think you do you know uh-huh. you're you're you are not master of this world 
you know, I, I mean, not that we're going to, we don't need to quibble, but I would probably fit that in the quasi spiritual. If you're thinking like material versus, you could. Like I would say it sort of fits in now, of course, obviously in those types of zombie stories, they could figure it out and it'll end up just being a germ or end up being, you know, a disease. And obviously yeah, then it would shift back over into the, something. it would, it would shift back over into the a story. And well, that, the there's story, probably but. like a three circle Venn diagram are well, but they're not like overlapping circles. It's like a ring, three rings where you have okay. the, the medical human created zombies next to it is we don't know what happened zombies. And then after the, on the other side of that, there's the, evil magic zombies I was just, right? no you have to have a you have to have a meet in the middle for the alchemist zombie like the you know because that's the one where you get the magic the physical and the human <laughs> agent so you got to have one meet in the middle for sure but uh, uh okay what what's an alchemist zombie what are we talking about here oh like i was just i was just maybe? trying to i was just trying to combine all three of them i wasn't i didn't oh, have like a okay. example is, I was that saying, where, like, is that where they the, meet yeah, because okay. then you have the you know you have you the put, agent, you have the I magic, might have and onto you have something. the physical stuff. You could put hey. Frankenstein right in the middle there, because that's, that's kind el- of like yeah. that's like all three of those like combined kind of thing. for sure. Yeah, because you've definitely got the undead part of it. You've got the human agent, and it's a and know, it, pride Frankenstein. And how how and, he how he actually makes it happen is a mixture of science and occult. Of course, in like the 1700s and early 1800s, where that book has taken place. There probably wasn't like a strong distinction between science and occult, but he is very much, he's as much an alchemist as he is a uh, scientist. Scientist. In Mary and, Shelley's and see, now book, we anyway. now we can't do a Frankenstein episode, right? Because you've already, you know. No way, dude. Next year, it. next Halloween season, because we don't have it scheduled for this month, but next Halloween season, there's going to be a Frankenstein episode, and it's going to be referencing AI, artificial intelligence, oh, and boy. Frankenstein. <laughs> Yep. Maybe throw in some time travel. There's got to be a Frankenstein time travel uh, <laughs> movie in there somewhere. You'll be able to find it. I'm sure you'll find it. Uh, uh, I have ideas. I have ideas. Oh, are you going to write the movie? Is that? <laughs> no, no. I I think no. I could. I think I could make those. I don't have like a explicit time travel Frankenstein movie in mind, though. It makes you wonder if there's not one. But there is. I could. I could make it happen. I could make. I could make connections. You'll just have to wait till next year, Mike. I guess so. Yeah, I'm on the edge of my seat over here. All right, so we've we've kind of gone through and, and and you've touched a little bit on where this conversation I, I wanted to go. Eventually, we've gone through a bunch of um, or we've we've got did a little bit of a I guess you'd say a deep dive into some examples from pop culture. You know, we did talk about The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones a little bit, um, but then I Am Legend as well. And I did allude to this question that I first want us to talk about, which is why are zombies scary? Now. I mentioned the the uncanny valley, which is this whole kind of idea. You can Google it if you've never heard of it before, but it's basically that something is enough like us, but also enough unlike us where it makes us uncomfortable. And that's where kind of the fear lives. That's where so much of the, you know, subject of scary stories uh, sort of is is taking place. And zombies are definitely right there because they, of course, they share that they were human or, you know, they still have that human like, we, we have that expectation, but something important has been taken away. There's enough, they're enough unlike us to kind of scare us too. I think that um, that's a fair point that you do get into uncanny valley stuff. Um, but where I would go with that is that another big theme about zombie stories as such is that they are a mirror to us. 
so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so basically yeah. a famous zombie movie is uh, George Romero's D- Dawn of the Dead. And then obviously, you know, Zack Snyder did that remake in the 2000s. But the first one came out in the 70s. And in that movie, one of the plot points of it is that um, they, the humans go to a mall because the mall has mm-hmm. everything. You can yeah. survive at a mall well. But That's all the zombies... The, yeah, the big... Yeah, and they think they're cool. Yeah, it's like, oh, ahead. we're going to go to the mall. But then all of a sudden, all the zombies start coming to the mall, too. And they're all like, how do they yeah. even, why are they coming to the mall kind of thing? And the idea is, mm. is that, like, the zombies are just, like, performing their habits. And so mm. when the zombies lose We've their We've all humanity, been programmed. We're all All they zombies. have is their, yeah. their behavior, behaviorism, you know, like their yep. habits. And uh, so it's a commentary on, like, it, consumerism, you know? It's basically. pointing the finger back at us. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. it's like, uh, you know... And a lot of that, a lot of that movie is is just you know poking fun at zombies doing like mundane things, walking around a mall, um, because you know, and we're supposed to see ourselves, right? And so mm. uh, this isn't uncanny. This is not uncanny valley, but I do think that it is kind of playing in the ballpark what you're talking about because it's like it's a way for us to look at ourselves. It cuts through to us because it's it's taken away all the facade. It's taken away all the ego and all you're left Mm -hmm. with is just what it looks like. And we all just look like zombies, you know, Uh, in the 21st century, you know, a zombie movie should just have everyone like with their like face in their phones, just like walk in the streets, you know, just like, zoned yeah. out into a phone that's the boober zombie movie is yeah what you're that's mean. that's yeah like, you know that's what a zombie yeah. movie would you know if we were doing the same type of social um, commentary well well and but even to that end because to to go off of the the social commentary thing we've already talked about how and and not that this was unique to the walking dead by any means but one of the big things about the the zombie movie motif is that it's when the social contract is ripped up when the societal constructs are torn away what are we left with as human beings and I mentioned the whole thing about how it's like, you know, Walking Dead is basically saying humans are the real monster, humans are the real enemy. And it's the same idea of they're enough like us, right? Because they're still humans and they still have some sort of like, you know, rudimentary government maybe set up or whatever. But they're enough unlike us because of the societal like constructs that are stripped away. And that's where the fear comes in, right? What happens to the human when? And so it, it still lives in that kind of fear uncanny valley area the uncanny valley thing isn't like contradictory to oh it's Mm -hmm. giving a social commentary on consumerism or the social construct it's more like that's where the that's you know that's why they're the subject of fear does that make sense no and there's also it's an interesting because there's 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 kind of two subcategories of zombie movie that's talking about kind of like this kind of social commentary stuff one has humans Oh, humans are the bad guys, right? So rip up the social contract, like you're saying. And what you see is humans, to use some Freudian terms, like the super ego goes away, right? Mm -hmm. The the civilizational facade that keeps us all in check disappears. And we all revert back to like barbarism, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what you're referencing, right? But then there are some zombie movies, like uh, you ever seen like Return of the Living Dead? That's a that's a comedy zombie movie. Actually, is it the more the recent one on Netflix? Oh no, this is a this um, isn't the. Well, it came out in eighty five. It's actually it okay. was written by one of the, I think it was Dan O'Bannon who I think did Alien, okay. like Ridley Scott's Alien. That guy, I, okay. I can't remember if he wrote Return of the Living Dead or if he directed it. He's affiliated with it in a big way though, I think. But it's actually 
he co-owned or the someone co-owned the rights to Night of the Living Dead with George Romero. And George Romero mm-hmm. went on and did his series of films, uh, follow up with Dawn of the Dead and then Day of the Dead, stuff like that goes on a few more. But like um, this guy, he still had rights to it too. So he creates his own sequel to Night of the Living Dead and it's called Return of the Living Dead. And Mm -hmm. it's not anything like (laughs) Night of the Living Dead, but it's still a zombie classic in its own rights. However, uh, you know, warning, it's pretty salacious. It's not exactly Mm -hmm. um, the most wholesome film you'll ever watch. But it is another one of those examples of a zombie movie where the zombies retain intelligence to some extent. And so I'll give you an example. Like these kids get trapped in a cemetery and they get trapped at like the morgue attached to the cemetery. And meanwhile, like the zombie apocalypse is happening um, around them and they manage to get a phone call out to the police. But when the police and the ambulance show up, all the zombies like jump out and kill the police and the ambulance people immediately. And then like pick up the receiver and they're like, send more reinforcements kind of thing. And so they actually like, are telling the humans to like send more humans to them kind oh, of thing. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so it's an example of intelligent zombies doing things, but here's the thing. Those intelligent zombies are barbaric, right? So in mm-hmm. other words, what we had just talked about was a lot of zombie stories talk about how like the human characters in those things, the zombies don't have personalities. They're just like a phenomenon that brings out the worst in humanity. There are some zombie movies where the zombies are just like, the worst of humanity. So it's like the zombies mm. represents the worst of humanity. And it's the humans that are also still intelligent, trying to fight off these kind of like yeah. dregs of humanity. In which case, those types of stories are, are more like the zombies represent our id. The zombies represent mm. our passions, you know? And so you have like the human survivors actually taking on a little bit more of a noble quote unquote, because yeah, the, the people are not noble <laughs> in Return of the Living mm. Dead. But they're still, they represent like the upper, the 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 rational, the intelligent, the, mm-hmm. from a Christian perspective, like the image of God stuff. Um, yeah. And the, the zombie hordes are like the masses of like humans that are just following their passions and things like that. Mm. In this case, those passions mean eating brains, which Return of the Living <laughs> Dead, that's where that comes from. That whole meme sure. of like brains, brains, brains. Yeah, that that is born in Return of the Living Dead. That's okay, maybe that coined that. Mm. The more you know. So, so the uh, so that's kind of part one of the wire zombie scary. Part two is because obviously they they represent death, right? I mean, they're they're called the undead, or you've you've said the night of the living dead. Like it's it's this whole idea of, and then they're they're dead people that rise up again, and now it's the idea of that in one thing in one way we in like modern culture we can kind of like sequester or compartmentalize death and we can keep it in a box and keep it away but here it's actually pursuing us right even if it is slowly pursuing us in some cases um mm-hmm. it's it's slowly inching towards us and isn't that you know isn't that the great metaphor right for this idea of what are we afraid of we thought we could keep it contained we thought we could keep it you know kept away or kept aside and yet it keeps kind of slowly, incrementally inching towards us. And if we have to look at it in the face, right? We have to look at the decay right in front of us. We have to look at, you know, so that's again where it's like, why, why is this such a lasting or such a, um, yeah, just prominent, you know, kind of uh, story? 
I'm going to go ahead and coin two labels for these types of trajectories in a zombie movie. The first one being, we are the monsters. That's the mm-hmm. one where the zombies are the backdrop that we have to look at. Um, yep. The second one is, the so the first one I said was, we are the monsters. The second one is, the monsters mm-hmm. are us. Okay? Mm-hmm. So the second trajectory is, when you look at what the zombies are doing, you see us like, oh, they mm-hmm. are supposed to be us. When you go into the monsters are us type films, I think it's a really good analogy for what you just said, which is to say, you can see them slowly like creeping, like basically if they represent our passions, if they represent like basically the sin that consumes us and mm-hmm. self-perpetuates like a virus and things like that throughout humanity. Um, yeah. Then when you have movies where you have sane, rational humans looking at these like barbaric hordes of zombies, you know, I think that to some extent, that's kind of the Christian in this world, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and what we're really supposed to do to get all cheesy with it is we have the zombie vaccine and we're supposed to go out into the hordes uh, and like make more humans out of the zombies. We're Will Smith right? and I am legend. We're in the Will movie, Smith just in the movie. Whoa, just in the bring movie it version. back. Way yeah. to circle it uh-huh. back. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, pretty yep, good. Exactly. We're all Will Smith, everyone. Or we're, or we're, um, we're Ellie from uh, The Last of Us and we just need our brains taken out. Is that kind of the. <laughs> To go, to go last. Well, of if you us really want to turn Ellie into a Christ figure, then she is the Christ that sacrifices so that the world can be. Oh, hey, hey, hey! Not just give a anymore. teaser. You got to go back to our Last of Us episode, or right? just go check out episode six or something like that. It's, um, it's six. No, yeah, the it la- is. It's the uh, I know save the whole world and lose your soul. Yep, that's save the whole world and lose your soul. Yep. No, anyways, that's the next so, yeah. one. That was the last one. That was the last no, one. The, right. the yeah. No, the episode six right. was the long, right, long time. Right. That yeah, was episode yeah, three. Yeah. That's so, the gay zombie right. episode. Okay. <laughs> Your words. Um, <laughs> okay. So, so we've got, but, but again, yeah, because you, you make the connection clear and it's not going to be made as clear in the actual zombie movies, but in the same way that death is pursuing us, death is chasing us. Well, death is just the result of sin. So it should look like sin, whether it's the, you know, societal sin of consumerism or, you know, whatever the case is, but it still is this idea of it is slowly pursuing us. Plus we can't avoid it anymore. We have to look it in the face, but it doesn't just mean the death of the individual, right? In most of the zombie movies, you have this sort of death of culture that takes place. And it could be a, a purging, right, of a bad part of culture, like you kind of mentioned with the consumerism part of the Romero mm-hmm. version. Um, or in some ways, people see it as the, 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 you know, superficial societal conventions that are finally stripped away because of this catastrophe that happens. Well, we're, and like I we're said, maybe more... there's some... We're much yeah, more on the track of the we are the monsters side of things now. The we are the monsters side of the things, sometimes the humans that, you know, so the zombies are just a phenomenon, an excuse, some kind of natural disaster event backdrop mm-hmm. to study human nature. The and catalyst, so, and, yeah. Yeah, catalyst. And and so you, you've taken the facade of civilization away and humans can still choose to be civilized. But most of the mm-hmm. time, these zombie shows or movies depict them as breaking apart into factions, a few of which try to keep civilization alive, but most of which mm-hmm. revert back to a much more, you know, kind of tribal. A barbarism, like you said. Barbarism, yeah. yeah like, a, 
you know, and, and the culture doesn't matter anymore. It's just survival. Mm. Like, who cares about beauty? It's utilitarian through and through. <laughs> you know, like, mm. who cares about uh, retaining um, music or whatever? Like, we just need to, like, find the next meal, even if I have to kill that guy to get it kind of thing. And this is, um, so this is actually go back to why I wanted to bring up the, the game of the zombies in Game of Thrones is because there you have one of the clearest, most explicit, um, it, it, it almost like spells it out for you that this is not, this is not just about killing the people, right? So that the bad guy can have more undead soldiers. This is about the entire like death of civilization, death of culture. And like you said, it's not an accidental feature that civilization crumbles. That was the intention of this you know, big bad mm-hmm. guy of the, yeah. uh, what's it called? It's like, the, the it's something agency. King, the, the, night the ice King. King, night King. Thank you. Uh, ice yeah. King is adventure. So, time. I was, was going to say, yeah, <laughs> I, I was thinking, yeah, white Walker is, yeah. Anyway, yeah, they, they, they you know, they start up in the ice. So, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, that's another kind of, it makes them kind of unique is they're all like frosty, you know, yeah, not a lot yeah. of frosty <laughs> zombies. Well, and you know, you've got the whole like, um, and obviously if it's like a, parallel to kind of northern europe england and that's and it's coming mm-hmm. down and all that stuff but moving on so uh yeah you have this <laughs> wait like, for the game very... of thrones episode mike yeah i i i try to bring that in as much as i can i know uh, the bingo so, card is uh on full display with mike's game of Thrones reference so so you've got this like i said this death of culture you know slowly kind of creeping towards and and it does kind of speak to you know, if you want to see the sort of like Christian parallel, I mean, it's it's this apocalyptic where the old way is thrown off and you could look at it in one of two ways. You could look at it as a, it's just a recycling or an actual renewal. And as you were kind of describing, when in some yeah, of these like examples- Yeah, this is like the flood, right? This is like Noah's flood mm-hmm. in like yeah. uh, evil undead horde form. And- um. So it kind of brings us to, uh, well, I guess, you know, what we kind of has gone through, like, what does it teach us about humanity, you know, when stripped away, when certain things are stripped away, who are we really, or what are we sort of left with? And you kind of get left with this sort of like um, fallen humanity versus redeemed humanity. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sure. that's what, in this case, the, you know, the zombie story, maybe not entirely specifically, but in some ways, the zombie story can really kind of highlight that because of the unique human element that the, the, the zombie monster kind of brings forward. Um, you know, I can even think of like the, in some of the, uh, there's some scenes in like the walking dead where people will actually start to use the zombies as almost like tools or almost like cattle or like livestock, you know, well, there's, yeah. So like, you know, day of the dead, um, the third film in the Romero trilogy, well, it's not a trilogy. He made like five more later on, but like, um, the big three that, kind of capped off a trilogy and in the 80s uh the third one is about them being in a military bunker trying to harness zombies so most of humanity has turned into a zombie horde the remaining people are in a military bunker full of scientists and soldiers and they are trying to domesticate zombies they want to like Hmm. uh zombie power right like what is that from what is that from? I, I want to harness Dune. <laughs> That's where I'm getting uh, that reference from. Uh, you know, desert power. If you've seen the new Dune movie, because I don't think, I don't know if he talks like that in the book, but the, the new Dune movie that came out a couple of years ago, uh, they talk about harnessing de- desert power, which is to say hmm. like the, basically the Bedouin types, the the people who live out in the desert 
they want to harness mm-hmm. them for their purposes. That's sure. kind of what they're trying to do with zombies. I make connections. Yeah, no, so I mean, <laughs> and uh, so the last, I mean, the last kind of, I guess, point, you know, to sort of bring this all home is you think of the idea of, well, it's the, it's the dead who are coming back to haunt us, right? And we can see this, you know, we see it very physically and very violently in the zombie movies, but do we, is there also this sort of parallel when we think of like, and, you know, G.K. Chesterton called tradition, the democracy of the dead. And so you think of, is this the dead coming back to haunt us or we're paying for the sins of, you know, our past ancestors or whatever. Is there a sort of element? um, I think like tradition is coming back to haunt us and consume us in the case of zombies. Is there a sort of parallel that we can, you know, draw upon or or find constant, a constant, constant folklore theme all over the world, constantly everywhere is you have to respect the ancestors. Right. Mm. Um, and so basically in a lot of pagan civilizations, um, there would be ancestor worship or ancestor appeasements. And we're talking like across all time and geography, right? This is like super basic mm. to human instinct. Um, where if you don't respect the dead, if you don't respect the ancestors that have gone before you, they will haunt mm. you. They will come back and they will become a vampire and eat you or mm-hmm. there'll be a, a ghoul or a revenant, what we call a zombie and eat you or they will become a poltergeist and a ghost around and like mess up your life and curse you right so mm-hmm. that's all rooted in this idea that's what drove a lot of um respect for the dead was a fear of the dead mm-hmm. in a lot of ways right um and there's something there's something to that, you know, as Christians, we have a notion of the saints. It's not mm-hmm. the same thing oh, yeah. as ancestor worship, but it is. We both come from, we both come from traditions or, well, I should say we come from traditions that honor tradition, right? That have always held, we, we even call it sacred, you might say, right? So, right. Well, it's very so we much, have, I mean. We have kind of a positive inversion of this where like we love the dead, <laughs> you know, like we, mm-hmm. we pray to those who have, you know, slept, go, you know, because we, in, in some sense, we don't consider them dead, right? Like mm-hmm. Christ says, he's the God of the living, right? And so that's mm-hmm. that's where the prayers for intercession comes from, right? But, you know, in, in regular parlance, yeah, they're dead. Like they've ceased this earthly coil, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so we, we seek to be in communion with them because we know we can benefit from them. Um, that's not being afraid of the dead. But at the same time, we also know that we will be judged, like the saints will judge the world, right? Mm-hmm. And in some sense, when we are um, bought at the end of time in the final judgments, there is going to be the sheep and the goats, right? And and you're either going to be on the side judging the rest of humanity, or you're going to be a part of like humanity being judged by the saints, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that anyone should take that to mean like some kind of like jurisprudence, it's not a vindictive, like a bunch of people. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people like it's not a vindictive wagging thing. at you from like a, like mm-hmm. a tall balcony or something like that. But it is, uh, we have to respect, I mean, like the, the nexus of fear and love is like respect. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we respect the fact that the dead have something to say to us, both literally at the end of time. We will either be on this side or that side of like the conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but also 
because they have the wisdom. They have the they've lived the life and yeah. So we're convicted just by its presence. We're convicted by, you know, when we hold Mm -hmm. up certain heroes or certain figures, we should be convicted to, of course, imitate, right? Those same heroes Mm -hmm. in his or her virtues. And so that's where, in a sense, the tradition is there, but it's not haunting us. It's not trying to consume us. It is, you know, like we become, we see ourselves as a part of that same tradition. And just like we can look backwards on it, we then are, you know, we're, we're that same example in the next 40 years or the next 100 years looking back upon. So it, it's seeing yourself in line with it, not as, like I said before, we try to put death in this box or put it in this corner and, and either forget about it or try to keep it sequestered, but it will inevitably keep creeping towards us. And it will right. become that object of, object of fear like the zombie, you know, always is. The, um, you know, the, the, idea that nowadays people judge the past right instead of letting the past judge Mm -hmm. them you know there's been a turn from how we've lived historically right where there's a Mm -hmm. veneration for the dead there's a veneration for the past um within the last hundred years or so uh there has been a a kind of revolution a kind of jacobin revolution um, against the past, you know, and it started not just in the 21st century. This has been happening for a long time now. Um, but we're very much in an age of judging the past now. Like we, kind of we've, an enlightenment. It seems like an enlightenment nexus. sort of rooted thing. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it, I mean, it goes technically, you could keep pushing it back to the Reformation, starting with its judgment against like, you know, oh, Catholic yeah, shots fired. you know, he went there, you know, um, but like, uh, you could go further back than that. But like, anyway, like really, but even then I think that there's been a, the last hundred years have really like, we've reached a plateau of mm. disconnect from the past. And a mm. lot of people are afraid that the past is going to come back and bite us. Like this idea that we can utopian, you know, recreate the world, tableau rasa, we don't have to think about where we came from. We don't have to think about who we are as people and what our traditions are or, or what constitutes the human condition as such that we can just like make mm-hmm. it up kind of transhumanism basically. Um, yeah. You know, will, will that work? Right. You know, have we, do, do we not respect the dead well enough and are they going to rise up and uh, you know, show us to be the monsters that we actually are? you know well and works. that's what i think you know that's that is one of the i think the dangers when people are just starting to have this conversation about ai and this isn't you know this is just an aside it's not another ai conversation but that's the, the idea that episode. when it's well when it's taking when it's taking that human well isn't a frankenstein isn't that just another zombie right haven't we yeah it's you established like that already because he's like many the, corpses tied together it's the mix of alchemy, science, and uh, and agency. But um, the the whole AI thing is what is the one of the big dangers is that when they because it's replacing the human element, right? This is the fear is that when it replaces the human element, um, it's taking out something that will look very similar to it, but it will be missing that one thing. And this again, it kind of takes us back to that uncanny valley where it's like the, the zombies share a lot of yeah, it, you know, it shares like, a lot of. And what's it going to do, though, is it's going to overrun. It's going to take over 
the the culture, right? And that's again, that's the it's the death of the individual, it's the death of culture. Mm-hmm. This is the Night King. The Night King wanted to take out all of the all that was alive. Right. Right. There'd be no culture, there'd be no story left, I think is the the line that you know. I'll the throw show another uses. I'll throw another really good zombie movie in there. Uh Reanimator. This is another movie that is not very wholesome. So be warned. <laughs> this is not a wholesome movie. Um, but as opposed uh, to my Game of Thrones references, <laughs> well, I feel obligated to let people understand that we are not You're necessarily so talking about movies Jacob. that are. <laughs> I think we're going to be held responsible for all of our words, Mike. Um, but like, uh, this is a this is kind of a riff on Frankenstein's an H.P. Lovecraft character. The movie's not very much like the story, but it is a movie about um, Herbert West, uh, who is a great character. Uh, he. The actor who plays him, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name. Anyway, he's a classic villain. But he uh, creates a zombie formula. And the rest of the movie is about him losing control of that zombie formula and things like that. Now, the rea- why I'm bringing up this topic, though, or this movie, is that he thinks from his like scientific materialism that he can just bring back the dead and they'll be fine. You know, immortality, eternal life, that type of thing, right? Um, Mm -hmm. What happens when he brings back the dead, though, is they are monsters. They're zombies, as you think of like they just they're cannibalistic. They they they've lost the the image of God. Mm -hmm. Like, so in other words, this is that uncanny valley thing you're talking about. The presumption, the arrogance is that you can achieve eternal life or uh, bringing people back from the dead and they'll still be human. Right. Yeah. But God's the only one who can make humans and then bring humans back from the dead. Because even if we can go and bring humans back from the dead, quote unquote, they don't come back human. They they are an uncanny valley-esque imitation. They they are lumbering, they have the it's shape of humanity. More than just the physical parts and the, you know, what do you want to say, electricity that flows through us, so to speak. Right. right? The soul exactly. is something a little bit different than, you know, yes, it's the organizing principle of well, the matter, it's it's the tethered to God that makes it different. It's the connection to mm. God that matters, you know. And so if you bring a back a, a human body, right, and it's not it's not God who's living in that like who's animating that body, but some kind mm. of like uh mechanism that we have constructed it with electricity or alchemy or whatever, you know radiation (laughs) slime uh you name it there's so many different options out there um you know all you're doing is animating tissue right well and you're not you're not making humans you're you're animating tissue and yeah to put it like even more like i guess overt like you're you're reanimating the dead and not just in the functional sense but it's like the thing is not just functionally dead but I guess you'd say ontologically dead. Like it is mm-hmm. just dead walking, death walking around. And that yep. again, that's the whole, that's what zombie, like that's, that's why zombies are scary. It's yep. death that follows you. It's death that is trying to, that's why you. Easter is not happy zombie day or whatever. Oh yeah. I know. Smart that horrible, meme that is. Stupid meme. Yeah, yeah. I know. Terrible. Um, you know, it, it's, this is a divine act. Human, the human mm-hmm. life is a divine act. And so, yeah, you can you can take a human body and you can turn it into something else, but you can't turn it into a human again once it's died. Mm-hmm. God has to do that. That's up to Jesus. Um, but, uh, you know, what makes the zombie phenomenon, the, the, the reason why it's so popular, it's because it's so versatile. You know, if you go back mm-hmm. through this conversation we just had, we've kind of 
covered so many different angles in this. Yeah, and, it's and actually, because there's that many angles. Directions cover, I wasn't expecting know. too. So I thought it was. I mean, I, I do. No, like it's that, it's you know, it's we've a got, we've gone to. The zombie is the and and the you thought we'd have nothing new to add to this. <laughs> You're like, oh, zombies. Hey, zombies the have only been done reason before. the only reason I agreed to it is because I know that we have the the edge the edge of your seat take. What is it? The the the, <laughs> the hot tip take? new the spicy thing. Take? The hot yeah, yeah, something better than what I just said. <laughs> you got it. We got the hot take on this stuff, Mike. Yeah, we, we know we we got angles that people don't even know exist. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, this, the zombie is a modern, this zombie figure, the zombie monster is the most modern monster, right? Mm-hmm. Ghost, vampires, okay, yeah. all these things have been around forever. Sure, yeah. Kaiju, even giant monsters, you know, to some extent you could think of like them being around forever. Zombies, as we've constructed them post George Romero, these, mm-hmm. this is modern man making fables about modern humanity. Every single no, zombie, yeah. every single zombie thing you've ever seen, this is a modern conversation using a mm. horror trope like the zombie to comment on ourselves. Mm. And, you know, just because, just like you can, if I say, let's have a conversation about humanity, well, there's a million different conversations you can have with that kind mm. of header. There's a million different zombie it, it kind of reminds me of actually, so I, I know I've, I've given a G.K. Chesterton quote about tradition already, but he has this other quote where it's like, the ironically, the most obvious um, dogma of Christianity, the one that you don't even need a Bible for, you just need the today's newspaper for, is original sin. And it kind of reminds me of this thought that I've had um, after a couple of TV shows that I've watched or movies that I've watched where it's like Hollywood actually gets its own depravity. It gets its own um, sense of excess or gets its own original yeah. sin really, really well. It just doesn't. It doesn't know that it's original sin and it doesn't know what the the answer is right doesn't know where the redemption lies see there's your title right there brain dead redemption so it nice. it gets it really well and the zombie story is like you're saying it's the perfect conviction of humanity it's humanity's yeah, conviction of, of humanity whether it's talking to the we're say. the monsters or the monsters yeah. are us it's always yeah. talking about the monster right but um, and actually yeah. and like i said i think i want us to do that in a separate conversation where it's like hollywood gets its own original sin but i think like you've kind of touched on the zombies are a really good example of that. Um, and so, you know, as we're not only uh, finishing up the Halloween, the October, it's actually bringing us into the All Saints Day, All Souls Day, prayers for the dead, or the month pray- praying for the dead. Uh, zombie is, the zombie story is kind of a perfect transition between monsters and, you know, rede- the, the, the redemption of the dead. So, you know, we are going to do vampires next, though. No, vampires are coming before this, Jacob. This is going to be after vampires. No, I know. I know that's what you're trying to do. This is going to lead into our vampire conversation. The vampire (sighs) conversation is going to lead into our Dracula conversation. Bring everybody behind them. But but then vampires are the vampires are the precursor to zombies. We got to do vampires, then zombies. No, 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 no. Revenants are the precursors to vampires. I have this mapped out. Oh gosh. All right, audience. We're going to find so, out. I'm so glad We're going to find out who wins. We're going to find out who wins this argument based upon <laughs> what episodes drop in what order. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. yeah uh, I, but... Thanks for giving everybody that look behind the veil. 
Now, with that, that actually brings us to our our conclusion. I was trying to wrap us up neatly, and then you get us down this whole new argument, as usual. Thanks, everybody, for coming to listen to uh, this episode. Well, if you want to call it an episode or a just a little tiff between Jacob and I of the Voyage podcast. And um, just want to keep um, encouraging you guys to like, subscribe to the show, leave a five-star rating, positive review. Um, so that you know it can it doesn't come back to haunt us that it does come back and we can celebrate the past of uh, past episodes of this show how's that send more lies thanks for listening to Voyage Podcast the Voyage Podcast is a production of Voyage Comics and Publishing which seeks to create exceptional entertainment informed by Catholic values that inspire people to live a heroic life Voyage Comics seeks to advance truth and beauty found in powerful stories. To learn more, visit voyagecomics.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram 